Today we begin the book of Ruth, and we will see the gospel in the book of Ruth, the good news of the grace of God. Act one in the story shows us that good news often comes to people in crisis. Have you walked long enough with the Lord to realize that good news, something about bad news opens our hearts so that we can receive good news? The Chinese word for crisis is Wei Ji. Forgive me for my presumption in giving you a Chinese lesson, but I did do some research in that fount of all wisdom, uh, Wikipedia. (laughs) And uh, American motivational speakers are very, very keen on pointing out that the word crisis is composed of two characters, one for danger and one for opportunity. But actually that's not quite accurate, so I discovered. Uh, Danger is correct, but opportunity is a little bit off target. Better is a point where things happen or change, a tipping point, a uh, you have to go this direction or that direction. Apparently, this misunderstanding of Weiji started way back in 1938 with American missionaries to China, and they were the ones who popularized this idea. And uh, it's been picked up by everybody. John F. Kennedy uh, spoke about it when he was campaigning in 1959 and 1960. Former Vice President Al Gore uh, mentioned it in the foreword of a book that he wrote, and when he received the Nobel uh, Peace Prize, or the Nobel Prize, he mentioned it in that speech. But as I say, it's not quite accurate. The second character is more like the Continental Divide. A drop of water can go this way or that way, west to the Pacific Ocean or east to the Gulf of Mexico. And a crisis is like that. A crisis, a trial can be like a wedge. It can exert its mechanical power to push us away from God, or it can exert its power to push us toward God. But it will exert power one way or the other. James said, let trials have their perfect work. Let them do their job. Let them make us better, not bitter. Well, our story today has three characters, and each of them is suffering. Each of them is in her own crisis. Naomi is one character. She is maybe uh, 50 years old, maybe upper 40s. In her day, she was an old woman. And then there's Orpah and Ruth. These are two Moabite women. They come from the land of Moab. They are in their mid-twenties, maybe their upper-twenties. They had married Naomi's two sons. And all of them 
faced a crisis. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malin and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again, and even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far, things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, their entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned to Moab 
accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Ruth, chapter 1, act 1. Her name was Naomi. It's a nice name. It means pleasant. But she didn't feel very pleasant right now because she was empty, physically empty, hungry. And I don't mean hunger like that semi-pleasant feeling that you and I have right before the next meal that we know is coming. I mean famine, starvation. She felt real hunger. Her husband, Elimelech, said, Naomi, we have got to do something. He dropped his voice because the boys were nearby. And he said, listen, listen, I was just down in the, uh, the gates of Bethlehem, and there were a couple of traders there from uh, merchants who had traveled. They said, they said there's plenty of food over in Moab. Naomi, I think we should go to Moab. Ooh, this was a big step. To leave the land, you know, the promised land, was like leaving God. It was like uh, in the musical Oklahoma. Do you remember? You know you belong to the land, and the land you belong to is grand. You, you catch that? You belong to the land. It doesn't belong to you. And here, Elimelech says, I, I just think we ought to bag it. We ought to leave this land. This is a big step. This is like a uh, lifelong Red Sox fan moving to New York and rooting for the team whose name shall not be uttered. And Naomi said, The Lord's hand has gone out against us. Let's go. So, They moved. They found some food in Moab. They settled down. The boys grew up. They learned the language. It's pretty similar to Hebrew. The boys picked it up just like that. Naomi always spoke with an accent, but she learned. And then Elimelech died. Oh, that was a dark time in Naomi's life. But she still had her boys. And they grew up, and they got to be around uh, 20-ish years old, and then a couple of nice Moabite families came to visit Naomi, and they said, would you like to, to join your family with our families? Would you like to arrange a marriage between your boys and our girls? See, this is Orpah, and this is Ruth. Our houses, we live right next to each other, and we both farm the same field. And so she set it up. They arranged a marriage, and the boys were married, and they all lived happily ever after. Well, no, because after they had been married for about ten years, there was no kids. This was a tragedy. Orpah and Ruth are now in their mid-twenties, maybe their upper twenties. They're still well within their childbearing years, but no kids. And then the boys died. 
And the house felt like a funeral parlor now. And the fields are becoming overgrown and the irrigation ditches are clogged with weeds and the barn was running pretty low. In fact, it was empty. So they sold the animals. Well, that helped for a little bit, but, you know, if you don't have animals, you don't have the breeding of other animals, and Naomi is now staring at starvation again. And Orpah and Ruth are staring at it for the first time. And so she said to the two girls, her two daughters-in-law, she arose and she said, because she had heard there was... uh, that the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem. So she set out to the place where she was, from the place where she was, to return to the land of Judah. Well, they came to the border of Moab. Maybe it was the Arnon River, or maybe a stone marker that uh, showed them the the borderland. It's about 90 miles, maybe 100 miles, a long journey. And uh, Bethlehem is uh, almost a couple of thousand feet above sea level. Bethlehem. Over in this area. Moab is over here. Moab is also a couple of thousand feet above sea level, so the warm, uh, moisture-laden breezes off the Mediterranean pass over the lowland of the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, and then it dumps its rain on the well-watered plains of Moab. And they traveled. They came to the border, and Naomi turned to her daughters-in-law, and she said, you guys, turn back. Look, look how far it is. Go back to your own people. Get married again. You can still have children. It's not too late. May the Lord deal kindly with you, just as you have dealt with the dead and with the living, me. And the two ladies, Ruth and Orpah, said, No, no, we are going with you. We will go back and join your people. Naomi said, Are you crazy? What do you expect to happen? I can't have any more kids. Even if I could, you wouldn't wait for them to grow up and and marry them again. Just go back. The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And Orpah kissed Naomi and turned back. But Ruth clung to her. Naomi said to Ruth, Look, look, Orpah, she has some sense. Go with her. And Ruth said, Do not urge me, do not to leave you. But where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. So, Naomi quit urging her. So they walked. 
down, 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 almost a thousand feet below sea level, down to the Jordan Rift Valley. It's hot and steamy down there like a jungle. And then they walked up, up, uphill to Bethlehem, five, six, seven days of journey. Did they travel with a caravan? Was there any protection for these two sad, desperate women? They had to carry everything they owned, which wasn't much, but it's hard carrying water. Water is heavy. And they keep looking up ahead. Where's the next well? Where's the next well? And finally, they drag into Bethlehem. It's not a big city. It does have a wall around it. Naomi walks through the gates. Ruth shadows her closely behind. And the people of Bethlehem stop. They don't get many strangers in Bethlehem. Who are these people? One of them looks like a Moabite. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They're looking out from their curtains. Wait a minute. That's, what, do you remember, what was his name? Remember Elimelech? That's his wife, that's Naomi. I think it's Naomi. And the whole town is buzzing. She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And that is Act One. It is a story of emptiness. I went away full and I have returned empty. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we understand this brokenness, this emptiness. Some of you understand the emptiness of being single. Some of you understand the emptiness of being childless. Many people understand bereavement and death. And this emptiness, these trials, these crises bring us to the point where things have to change. We stand at the continental divide and the drop of water can go this way or that way. Look at the three reactions, the responses to to crisis. There's Orpah. Her response was, to turn back. And that's one way we respond to trials. We say, hang it up, cut your losses, cash in the chips, call it a day. Orpah might have said, I am too empty, the pain is too great, I can't depend on your God. I don't even know if your God is real. I'm going back to my old ways, I'm going to see if I can scrounge together some happiness and some security. And we understand. Please notice that the Bible presents Orpah's decision to return without commentary. It doesn't get all preachy, it just just lays out the facts. But there is that one discomforting line that says she has returned to her God's. 
I guess she thought that this lovely story about Yahweh, the God of Israel, was just a story. And you may identify with Orpah. None of us knows precisely the pain another person experiences. But all of us have a general idea of what it means to be the walking wounded. Do you know that phrase, uh, if you are wounded in battle, but not too bad, you can still function, you can still walk, you are the walking wounded, and you may have enough strength to still eat, and you may have enough strength still to go to work, and still to go to school, and you can still walk to the border of Moab, but there you see, there at the border of Moab, a pile of rocks indicating the border, and on the rocks perhaps is written a Chinese word, Wei Ji, danger, decision time, So while we understand this pain and this inclination to turn back, may I also say, will you please think very carefully about returning to the gods of Moab? What will that accomplish? How will that help? But the first response to trials, crisis, tragedy is hang it up. Second response is Naomi's. She said, call me bitter. But notice that even in her bitterness, her response really is mixed. On the one hand, she returns to the land. She's doing the right thing. She asks Yahweh to bless her daughters-in-law. She still calls him the Almighty. On the other hand, she is bitter. She is mad at God. She says, he has dealt bitterly with me. He has brought me back empty. He has testified against me. He has brought calamity upon me. That's bitterness. In her bitterness, she seems to be wearing blinders because all she can see is the tragedy, but she doesn't also see God's provision. She doesn't see that she has a place to return to. God has visited his people. Bethlehem has bread again. Bethlehem means house of bread. <laughs> she doesn't seem to see her. She doesn't seem to emphasize that she has an extraordinary daughter-in-law who has vowed to take care of her in her old age. But Naomi's response is mixed, tending toward bitterness. And then there's Ruth. She did not grow bitter. She let the trials have their perfect work she allowed this tragedy to turn her away from the gods of Moab. She said, your God 
will be my God. And so we have to ask each other, will the trial make you bitter or better? So what makes the difference? How, you know, they're, they're facing basically the same trial. So why does one person go this direction? Why does one person go that direction? What makes the difference? It might be faith. It might be their concept and their belief and their trust, their relationship to God the Almighty. See, Orpah didn't really believe in Yahweh. She went back to her gods. Naomi eh, sort of believed in Yahweh, uh, but it was mixed. But Ruth, a pagan, part of the cursed people, the Moabites, had faith. It might have been as big as a grain of a mustard seed, <laughs> but it was enough. Enough for her to trust and to walk obediently. And God blessed her faith blessed her faith. She eventually, as we will see in our story, she eventually became the ancestor of the great King David. And because in David's line, she was an ancestor of Jesus the Messiah. But maybe faith is what makes the difference when we come to the continental divide. So, how's your faith? Can it bear up under the, in those moments of when will you turn back? Will you kind of stew in your bitterness mixed? Or will you cling to God himself? The good news that we're going to see in Ruth begins by showing us that good news comes to those often, not always, often, who are empty, broken, crisis, wagee, a decision, a turning point. And trials can cause us to turn away, can cause us to become bitter, or can actually deepen our faith and fellowship and trust in God. May the Lord help you. May he help me to believe and trust and to know the fullness of the one who walks with God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this portion of your word that you've given to us, the book of Ruth. Help us to trust you. Help us to walk with you, even and especially in trials. Help us to be like Ruth, and not even like Naomi, and certainly not like Orpah. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.